put your hands together and give a good Bethlehem Church welcome to Brother and Sister Adams from Krakow, Poland. Praise the Lord, everyone. Isn't it great to be in the house of God? You may be seated. It's such an honor to be here in Bethlehem again. It's been a long time. And uh, we're glad we got the chance to come back. I didn't know we'd be down this way. We were home only for six weeks on a short, really short deputation, primarily in Indiana. But we're glad that we were able to come down here and be once again at Bethlehem Church. We're so grateful. Thank you. We thank this church. We've been in Poland for 12 years, and this church has been supporting the work in Poland for 12 years. And we're excited to be able to report all the good things that God has done. And everything you see, everything you hear tonight is, is directly because of your efforts, of your prayers, of your giving, making it possible. And so I want to say from the bottom of our heart, thank you for, for being a part of the revival in the country of Poland and Eastern Europe. I give honor to your pastor, Bishop Wilson. Thank you for all you guys do. And I want to say thank you to this church for allowing your pastor. Your pastor will be with us in just a couple weeks, actually. We, we got about another week left, and we go back, and the week after that, he'll be there for our European conference in Krakow. Thank you for allowing him to come minister. It's going to be awesome to see what God does during our European conference. And, and it's just a great time to live for God. It's a great time to live for God. It's a great time to be a part of the apostolic church. It's a great time to be in this wonderful truth because we seriously have an answer this world needs. We have an answer. The answer to every problem, every situation, every sickness, every, every issue, we have the answer, and that's Jesus and his message. And it's a wonderful time to be a part of the kingdom of God, doing work. I'm so glad that my wife has graciously chosen to travel with me. It's not easy to live with me and travel with me. But next Tuesday, she will have lived with me for 25 years as we celebrate our anniversary next Tuesday. So I'm thankful for that. I would like uh, her to come. She is a vital part to the work in the kingdom of God. I couldn't do this without her. And uh, God uses her mightily in the country of Poland. And uh, I want her to share what's on her heart tonight. Praise the Lord, everyone. It certainly is good to come and worship with you. We thank you for all that you've done, for your prayers and your support for the country of Poland. God is doing some incredible things. I get, I'm happy to report to you uh, some wonderful news to you. Um, of the wonderful things God is doing. Um, my husband said we've been there for 12 years, and God just keeps amazing me every, every day that we live there. We are still with the gospel choir that is there. It's doing just as great. We baptized our first choir member this past year, and I give God praise for that. Amen. Yeah. He's a good God. Amen. In 2021, my husband came before the church there in Krakow, and he said the Lord had given him a type of theme to go with for the year of 2021. It was to love, to serve, and to grow, to love each other, to love God, to serve each other, and to serve God, to grow spiritually and watch God grow the church. 
And we begin to apply this to our life, the people in our church. The Polish culture is not an open, they're not an open people. But God is working on them and they're learning. And it's been beautiful to watch. God has built a beautiful church there in the country of Poland. There are really great people, hard workers, servants of God, and I'm thankful for them. We didn't know how to love, serve, and grow, how that would look for us. But in 2022, February the 23rd, the war between Russia and Ukraine started. We had an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We had an opportunity to make the choice to love and to serve and to watch grow. And as we begin this journey with the refugees, I stood in the middle, two days later, I stood in the middle of our worship center. I cleared out the church and there was a pile of mattresses and blankets and pillows and food. I didn't know what to do with it. I had never done anything like this before. There was no training for it. I, don't, I didn't know what I was doing. But I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that he leads and he guides every step of the way. And we began to make a safe place for people to come. We're two and a half hours from the Ukrainian border. And we went and got our first refugee. But before they came, we began to set out each mattress. And we began to pray over them. That, and as soon as that they would walk into the door, that they would begin to feel his peace, that they would begin to feel him wrap his arms around him and his joy and his love and hope. That's what we prayed for. And I can tell you that as they begin to come in, that happened. It wasn't easy. When they left their homes in Ukraine, many of them, you know, got the important things. They had some luggage with them as they started their journey to the border of Poland. Those important things that we think, okay, we've got to get this and we've got to get that. So they begin to lug it. They didn't know that it could take them three to four days to get to the border. They didn't know that some would have to walk 16 hours, 10 hours, six hours with their babies in tow, their luggage. And they begin to let go of some of those things. They realized it wasn't that important anymore. They needed to get to safety. And as they began to come to us, um, it was beautiful to watch them. They just had the clothes on their back, the shoes on their feet. And because of your giving, because of your prayer and support, we were able to clothe them. We were able to get them some new shoes. We were able to get some food in their bodies. And it was a beautiful thing. About a month into our refugee center, we get a call for a young lady. Her name is Jania. Jania is 18 years old, and she has a four-month-old baby needing a place to stay. She didn't have nowhere to go. And she came to us. She was just a little tiny thing. She was strung out on drugs. Uh, she was underweight. She didn't know how to take care of her baby. And we began to train her and to watch God bring her off of those drugs. We began to watch her turn into a beautiful mother. And about a month into after her being with us, she pulled me aside and she said, Rhonda, I want to reunite with my mother. And I said, okay. I didn't know how that would look because you see at the age of 16, her mother dropped her and her three siblings off at the orphanage. Her three siblings had went on to another city in Poland and Zhenia was with us. 
I didn't know what that would look like. So I said, okay, Jean, you were going to pray. Her mother wasn't in a place where she could just leave. She had to be evacuated. So I said, we're going to pray. If this is meant to be, God will provide. And as we began to pray, God began to open the doors. And we were able to bring her mother into our worship center, the refugee center. And we watched a beautiful reunification and watched God begin to heal and to watch forgiveness happen. I don't know her past, but I know that God had a plan for her future. You see, a little bit, about four or five weeks ago, we were able to baptize that mother in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God is doing an amazing work among the refugees. God promised us many years ago that Krakow would be the center of revival for Eastern Europe. And we could see that ripple effect taking place now. God is pouring out his spirit, and I'm so thankful. He is a faithful God. He is a prayer-answering God. Amen. And we give him all the glory, and we give him all the praise, and we give him all the honor, for he deserves it all. In the name of Jesus. sound better but see it was uh, four years ago that we were on our last deputation and we were raising money for a building country of Poland if you don't know its history or our history there it's it's a country of 38 million people and the city of Krakow is a little over a million people in the Krakow area and Krakow had never had an apostolic church of any kind in fact, there was only been one ever apostolic church in the entire country of Poland in Warsaw, and, and that wasn't there at the time. And, and so God began to provide, and he provided us with our building, and began to bless that, and, and we had it right in the heart of the center of Krakow, and, and we opened up, began doing worship, and you know, God had connected us, and on Easter Sunday... 2019, we launched the worship center in Krakow, and we had we had this old building in the Jewish district. We have a big open room. It's more like a community center, but it's a big open room, and and uh, we have a kitchen and sitting area in the back of this room, and and uh, we began to have worship. We had about 15 to 17 people that God had kind of put together this group that that God had organized and put in the city of Krakow, and and God began to work and. And do a work amongst those people. In 2019, we were so excited and so pumped, and we had a church, and we were we were having church, and the worship center was was there, and and uh, everything that we've been praying for, and every seed that we planted, and and uh, and watered, and all the prayers that had been prayed, where we started seeing the results of the labor. And and, and I'm here to tell you tonight, it, it doesn't always come easy. And things don't always look the way you think they're going to look. We had our plan when we went to Poland, and God has totally changed that about a million times. And every time I think I know which direction he's going, he changes it again. But it's always for the better. It was always for God's blessing and God's hand. As long as you follow God's will, it's all going to work out. If you follow his steps, he, he's going to, he knows what he's doing with your life. If you'll let him have control of your life, he knows what he's doing. If you'll trust him and walk in the Spirit. So God was blessing the worship center. We entered 2020, and we're excited, and, and we're growing, and people are coming, and, 
we're having up to 20. We had, I remember the first Sunday, I looked at my wife, we had 20 in worship. We were, we were flipping out. You know, we were, I like, looked at my wife on the, on the way home. I'm like, do you believe we actually had 20 in church on Sunday? Like, did you ever think this was possible? You know, when the first early days when we were doing home church or we rented a small office for church, it was literally me, my wife, and my two kids, and that was it. Us four and no more. We met for years that way. And then we're sitting in a worship center with, with music and, and God blessing. And we've seen God move in 2020 was going to be an exciting year. And, and, and we begin to love God and love people. And we begin to serve God and serve people. And we knew that God, see, the numbers is all God. I'll, I'll say some numbers today. They may not astound you. It's astounding for Europe, and I'm excited about it. Because it doesn't matter where a soul is or if it's one or a thousand, heaven rejoices over one. And the numbers I learned a long time ago, the numbers are God's deal, not mine. He adds to the church daily. I do the will of God. I follow after God, but he's the one that takes care of the saving business. I can't save anybody. God can. So I rejoice over every, every soul that repents and every baptism and every Holy Ghost. I rejoice over it like it's a thousand because heaven's having a party, so I'm going to join them. And so God was blessed in 2020. We've seen, we, we come to March of 2020 and we know what happened then. The craziness of the world comes in. Same thing in Poland. Actually, we were here at a missions conference for two weeks right when it all hit. In fact, I think we had an illegal service according to the law that Friday for missions conference in Indiana. We went back to the States on a special chartered flight by the Polish government for residents of Poland. And everything's locked down. Like, you know, we, you can leave the house for groceries and pharmacy, and that was it. And so we did, went online like everybody else, you know, and we began to, to meet online, began to broadcast our services for four weeks. We broadcast from our living room because you couldn't, we literally couldn't leave. And so we had service from our living room, we couldn't even go to the church, and that was the first month of March, and April we started, they opened up a little bit, and so we went to the church and broadcast from the church. And then God began to do work in Poland and, and opened it up because there was some loopholes in the law for houses of worship. Now, Poland's a very traditional religious country, and so they pushed very hard, and we could have worship with so many people. Luckily, we could include all the space in the building we were in, even though we only rented a small portion of that space, and we got to count everything. And so... The first Sunday in June, in a very safe way, an orderly way, we opened the house of worship and began praising God again on June 2020. And what God began to do during the pandemic was opposite of everywhere else, because God began to add to the church. We went from running 15 to 17 and have 20 on special occasion to running 35 to, to 40 by the end of 2020, going into 2021. God was blessing the church. Into 2021, we're consistently in 35 to 40, and we're seeing baptisms and people walk in off the street into our service and, and then stay and become part of the family. And, and uh, God began to work, and, and at the end of 2021, we have our first uh, national conference in the country of Poland, and, and God is blessing, and he had began to put together a church for his sake, for his kingdom. He began to put together the pieces. We didn't understand it all then in December and January 1st of 2022 this year. We didn't understand it all. But in our little church that God had multiplied during COVID, 
We had Ukrainian speakers and Russian speakers, Polish speakers and English speakers and Hungarian speakers and French speakers. All the languages was multicultural in a non-multicultural area. God had created a multilingual church. Now, we didn't understand what that was or what that looked like. We were just walking by faith. We were excited about the future. And on February 7th of this year, I was standing in a pulpit in Kiev, Ukraine, at an apostolic church there. Pastor Sergei Tomov is a dear friend of mine. He pastors a thriving church in Kiev, Ukraine, and the Tomov family has churches that they've ministered to and, and worked all through Ukraine. And he invited me to his conference. Now, we knew at the time, on February 7th, that the Russian army was only, a, I think, less than 150 miles from where I was at across on the Belarus side of the border. But Sergei's telling me it's safe. So I went. They're all going about life normal, and they say it's safe. And I told Pastor Sergei, I said, so what's going to happen? He said, nothing. Nothing's going to happen. I said, well, if it does, God has impressed our church to be there for the people of Ukraine, for your church, for your family. And so it was two weeks later, on February 23rd, it's a Wednesday night in, in Krakow. Bombs begin to fly. I wake up at 5 a.m. and I'm, I see the reports. I, I call my friend and he's reporting that they hear the bombs, the air raid sirens, his windows are shaking. His entire family had joined in their house and, and, uh, and I was asking him, how can we help? Do you want your family to come out? Because he can't leave. 18 to 16-year-old men cannot leave the country. Only in special occasions can they leave the country. And not because they're, they're necessarily fighting. Some are. But because the government wants them there in case they need them to fight. That's the actual truth of the fact. And, and so I'm talking to him, offering all that we could do to help. I said, we're going to help everything we can. That Thursday, God began to impress on my impress on me the need to really be the hands and feet of Jesus. I read Matthew 25 again and realized that there was a flood of people coming across the border into Poland. There were people, like my wife said, waiting days to cross the border in cold. It's cold then. And uh, I seen the reports coming from the border. And so Friday night, I said, I, I told our church, I said, we're going to change our church, our worship center, into a refugee center. Now, we don't have a big place. We have a big open space, and we have a couple classrooms. We begin to set up mattresses. If you want to show that first picture, this is what we converted. And so said, this is our church, and that's our platform. And we converted it into a refugee center. And so we had mattresses and beds, and we had all those bins sitting there with clothes and shoes to replace. And then we had a, we had a shower installed. And we could sleep about 25 to 30 a night in our church. And so we opened our church. For whoever needed a place. We went to the border on Friday night with chaos and craziness. I, I can't even imagine. You can't even imagine. I can't go into detail about everything. But we brought back a couple families, a couple ladies who had come across the border. One lady actually came across because they, they were not actually Ukrainian. They were nationals. And so her husband could get out. But they were separated at the border. It was actually they were separated for four days before they were reunited in Krakow. But people were coming and we... We would bring them in and give them something to eat and some clothes and let them have a place to sleep, a place where they feel loved and cared for. In fact, from that Friday night, for the next two months, our worship center doors were never locked. We were open 
I would spend the night, my wife would spend the night, my son would spend the night, other volunteers from the church and our community would spend the night. And we never closed because we'd get calls at 3 o'clock in the morning with a mom who just arrived at the train station with her two children that had just said goodbye to their husband and their father and came to safety. Seen horrible things along the way, and yet in the middle of the night, they just needed a place to sleep. Sometimes people needed one night, and then they already had plans to move to family in another part of Europe. Or sometimes they needed uh, a week. Sometimes they needed longer to figure out what they were going to do because life had just totally changed for them. Their home, many of them, their homes were destroyed. Their businesses were destroyed. They didn't really know what to do. And so we just began to love them. Just begin to care for them. And God began to bless. But God told me at the beginning of the war this would not be short. He impressed on my heart at the very beginning of this thing when everybody's saying it's going to be two or three weeks. And I was telling people this is not going to be short because God told me two things. He goes, you're going to have to run as fast as you can to help as many people as you can. But you're also going to have to plan for a marathon because this is going to be a long thing. We're six years into the, six months into this war now. And it's not ending anytime soon. I get pictures every day from families that are still staying with us where their, a lady sent me a picture last week where her family's home was destroyed, shelled and bombed. And it, it's still happening even though it's not making headline news. It's actually, they're, they're starting to prepare us that the winter is looking to be worse than the beginning of the war for people. So we're praying and we still pray for Ukraine, still pray against this war, the evil of it. And so God began to deal and, and we had our worship center that was now a refugee center so we still had to have worship on Sunday what do you do? you can go to the next picture what we did is we took all their beds on Sunday morning we piled them on one side of the platform we took all the bins of clothes and we piled them in the back of the platform and we pulled out the keyboard and we had worship we just praised God now it wasn't easy for half of the church because 25 to 30 of them had never been to our church, didn't want to come to our church. It was just their home they happened to be living in then. And so they're, they're wandering through what's going on. And we're saying, like, well, you need to wake up because we need to have worship. So we've got to move your bed. You know, and, and you're praising God with 25 people you've never met before that really weren't worshiping God or kind of just standing around looking like, what is going on? And you're trying to worship God. It's a little distracting to worship God in chaos. See, we come into these nice, nice, wonderful buildings, and, and everybody we know is worshiping God, and the majority of the crowd all knows all the songs and all knows how to worship, but you come into the place where the majority don't know how to worship, and they don't want to worship, or they don't know what's going on. It's a little different to worship through chaos. When you're sitting in chaos, I mean, literally, this is their home, so we're starting to worship, and someone's waking up and walking through our, worship, our sanctuary in their pajamas, in the middle of song service. Then you go to preaching and someone decides, well, it's time for coffee because it's morning time and it's home. So they're grinding coffee in the middle of prayer or, or frying an egg during the middle of the message. And, and this was normal life. Had kids all over the place that were in the background playing video games, talking, and it was chaos. And go to the next picture. On top of that, normally I have a Polish translator. I'm really good with him. We've worked together for a while. He's on the right side of this picture. The two guys in maroon. I don't know why they dressed alike this day. But uh, Yarek translates for me in Polish. And so this is normal. We get a flow going and go back and forth. And 
He's used to me, I'm used to him. But now we have a bunch of Russian speakers or Ukrainian speakers. So Andre sitting beside him on the left is a translator for, for Russian. So he's translating now. And so I'm speaking, Yarik speaks, Andre translates back to me. So you had to not only worship through it, you had to wait for your language to come around so you understand the rest of the message. But God blessed during that time. He blessed. He allowed us in that worship center to process somewhere around 300 refugees through our center. Feed them, house them, and then provide the transportation to them to get to where they wanted to be or needed to be with family or friends in other parts of Europe. We were just loving them and caring for them and doing our best to be the hands and feet of God. But as we began to prepare for the long duration, we knew having a room of 25 people with one shower was not dignity. Sleeping on a mattress was not a way of life for a mom and her children. So we began to pray and seek God. And right across the street from my flat, and it's the only place I've lived in in Poland, thank God, is a building of a hotel. And you can go to the next picture. It's been empty since before the pandemic. It's been bankrupt. It was a nice hotel when in its day, right before the, their bankruptcy. It was a conference center. We held our Euro conference there about six years ago. Now the conference center had been changed into retail space along with the restaurants and the bar and lounge were a different retail space and part of the rooms were already turned over to a corporation. And, and so it wasn't going to be a hotel anymore. There was basically a reception area and, and three blocks of rooms that had sat empty for two years. So I met with the administrator of the building because they had a for rent sign on there. I said, okay, we got to figure something out because there's more and more people needing a place to live. So I met with the administrator, and uh, I said, give me a price for each block of rooms, three blocks of rooms, each block of rooms, give me a price for six months, all-inclusive. And so he runs the numbers, and he starts breaking out, and he says, how's that look? What's those numbers? Are, are those okay for you? And he already told me, and I knew that he had give us the lowest legal price, and I checked it, of what he could rent per square meter under the bankruptcy, under the situation. It was the lowest legal price they could rent it to us for it. And he says, how these can you do this? And I said, I don't know. I don't have the money. I was just checking it. And if, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. We'll follow it. Within a few short weeks, donations and funding begin to pour in from all over the United States, from churches throughout the ALJC. But on top of that, from people outside, non-apostolic people, business people started giving. And before long, we had the funding to rent the first block of 22 rooms. And we put a took one of the rooms and transitioned it into a kitchen so they'd have be a place that they could cook. And we provided food. We, we ship, we bring food in twice a week and they could cook and have meals and food. And we provide a hot meal still every night in the church is a hot meal. And on Fe April 27th, we moved the first 45 guests from Ukraine into that hotel. Mothers and children now had a room with their own shower, their own bed. They had safety and comfort. In a place that they could transition life. Because most of the people that are with us, they're never going back to Ukraine. There's nothing for them to go back to. Most of them are just trying to find a job and learn the language and, and take care of their family and await for their husband to move to where they're at. And so we begin to provide this. And while that was going on, we're still working the worship center and getting ready to move people in. And I had these two ladies walk in, these two ladies... 60 plus, don't know their age, didn't know them from anywhere. They walk into our worship center and said, hey, we heard this is a good place to volunteer. 
I said, well, where are you from? Because you're definitely not from Europe or from Poland because your English is very good. They go, oh, we're from Upper Michigan. I said, how in the world did you find out about us? They said, somebody from Oregon told us online that this is a good place to volunteer. I said, well, great. We need a lot of volunteers. We need a lot of help. They started folding clothes. And, he's, and then they said, hey, I heard about your hotel project. I overheard that. I said, well, can we see it? We show them that. Within two weeks, these, these two ladies with a GoFundMe in their community in Upper Michigan, they're not apostolic. They're not even Christian. One's a Buddhist. They raised $80,000 and recovered the full second wing of the hotel. And we're able to move in. And currently, we have 110. <laughs> Praise God. Currently, we have 110 people from Ukraine staying in there. 58 are children. We have a variety of situations, but they're all people God sent to us. See, if you decide that you're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, if you decide that you're truly going to love God and love people, be prepared for the people that God will send your way. Because they deserve the love of God. Everybody deserves to feel the love of God at some point in their life. Even those who will never walk through your door or never pay you attention, they still need to feel the love of God. See, I believe in the day and hour that we live in the night, right now, the thing that will draw people more than anything is the supernatural love of God. And that's a love that, that is shared before knowledge, before anything, the gospel. I love the gospel. I love the apostolic truth. But sometimes it's the love of God that tears down the heart and opens the heart and opens the mind and opens those barriers when you show someone love. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and you know it well, it says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, and these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Now most of us know today here that the word charity can be interchanged with the word love. In fact, if you look at the Greek of this, it's agape. It means a benevolent, a giving, and a kind love. See, the love of God is shared without any anticipation of a return. It's shared no matter what their status, social, or political standing. It's shared whether you like the person or you don't. See, the love of God doesn't, doesn't come with restrictions or doesn't come with rules. See, if you choose to love God, you've got to be prepared to love whoever God sends in your pathway. And it may be people you don't like, but God wants you to love them and share the love of God because the love of God can change them. You can't change them, but the love of God can. The love of God can defeat depression and anxiety and fear. It's, a, it's the love of God that, that is supernatural, that changes hearts and lives. And I've seen it happen. See, I believe wholeheartedly today, more than ever before, that if we will truly be the love of God to the world around us, we will never have to invite anybody to church. Because if we love them the way God loves them, remember, he died for every one of them. The love that we have cost him his life. And so if we truly love people the way he intended it, we'll never have to invite them to church. Never. And God sent us all kinds of people. He sent us hurting people. And people that had nothing. He sent us sick people. He sent us mothers or, or ladies who were pregnant with their first child all by themselves. They didn't have any family there with them. And uh, go to the next picture, actually. This, I'll show you a couple ladies. Lady on the front, 
blonde headed lady that's Nastia. Two weeks ago, she gave birth to her first child. She's been with us living in the hotel, and we were able to support her as she had her first baby with no family, no mom, no dad, no, no family or cousins at all. We were her family. And we were able to be there. She has her very first child. And God's blessing, and that child's beautiful. He also sends us somebody like the lady behind her, the lady in the bandana behind her. Her name is, her name is Tatiana. She has an 11-year-old daughter and her mom that are staying with her in our hotel. Or in the hotel. It's not my hotel. It's God's hotel. Anyways. None of this is, has anything to do with me. It's all God doing it because it's way beyond me. Tatiana came to us and she's full of cancer. She needs a miracle, really. In fact, I, I, I really ask this church, if you can remember anything from what I'm saying, is pray dearly for Tatiana. The doctors have not given us much hope, and yet she's there without her family, only her mom and her 11-year-old daughter trying to fight this thing. So we're praying that God does a miracle in her life. Because with what, what's going on now is Tatiana and her mom attend our worship, and her daughter attend our worship every Sunday. They're in Bible study because now we have a Bible study every Wednesday in the hotel. We have about 30 of them that show up to Bible study every Wednesday. We never invited one of them. We just loved them. We offered it and they came. See, our church service has seen so much, so much change. Now we do Russian translation and, and headsets. We don't have the, the dual translators now. And, and God's multiplying now. Now on Sunday service, we're running 75 to 80 on Sunday. God's blessing, multiplying. These are multiplication. <laughs> and it all came down to loving people. See, in our first 12 years there, and, and I know that for some of these numbers, but believe me, I don't care. These are souls. First 12 years there, there we baptized 11 people in Jesus' name, the first 12 years. You go to the next picture. This was our couple. This was my last service before I left. This couple standing on the stage, it's Evan Shishek Swom. They were our first couple we baptized in Jesus' name. That was five years after being in Poland. We baptized our first family. They weren't even in Krakow. But this, see, here's what God does when you really sell out to loving him and loving everybody he sends his way. Go to the next picture. Last six weeks we were there from June 19th to August 1st. Last six weeks we were there. This is what God has done. We did 11 up to that point. And from June 19th till our August 1st, we baptized another 11 in Jesus' name. That's multiplication. That's not addition. That's God. That's not it. No human can do this. It's not in our ability. I can't wait to get back. I've been gone too long. It's been five weeks too long already. God has a great revival in store for Krakow. For the country of Poland. See, See, what we're thinking about, what God has impressed on us now is we want to buy the hotel. Yeah, it's crazy, I know. I met with the owner, asked him how much it was going to cost. He said, do you have that money? I said, absolutely not. You know that. But see, God has provided everywhere along the way. It has nothing to do with me. We've had billionaires come to our hotel, tour it, meet with the refugees. And just recently, the owner of the New York Jets and the Jets Foundation just just sent $100,000 to fund the third wing of the hotel. Ooh. 
I don't run with billionaires. I don't hang out with those kind of people. I don't run with millionaires, actually. I mean, if you do, let me know. We'll talk afterwards, exchange contacts and friends list. But this is all God. God does these things, not us. And even though we may not see it possible, God sees everything possible. He's working behind the scenes, putting pieces together. So now we want, because we've outgrown our church because we're out of space. Before I left, we opened some new classrooms and got a nursery because our zero to four-year-old class has all of a sudden exploded and we need a zero to four-year-old class. We need a nursery for these moms. God's blessing. But it all started with just a desire to love people and love God. And I believe if we would do that, they will ask us, can I come to Bible study? What do you believe? We don't have to invite people to Bible study. We don't have to try to convince people to visit us in church. If we love them, they'll come. They'll ask us, where do you go to church at? Why do you love this way? Why are you kind this way? Because I have never invited one of them to church. And no one else had. But they ask if they can come. And not because of anything we're doing. We're just loving them. Not all of them come. But we love them all. Because that's what Jesus would do. That's what he's told us to do. He's challenging me to love people without judgment. He's challenging me to not look at their standing or who they are or where they come from. He's challenged our church, the worship center, so proud of them. It's not in their nature to love like this, but it's in the nature of God. And when you're, you see, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and blessed to be changed by that love. Everyone else deserves that same chance without judgment, without concern, without questioning. So if we could do anything, let us love people the way Jesus loved. And I'm sure you do, but I thought I did too until God sent me 110 people I didn't know. It's in our church. We thought we were loving people, and then God challenged us. Okay, if you're going to love, let's see what you can do with it. And God's blessing, multiplying the kingdom of God. We see crazy growth. And that's what God does. He does the increase. We just love and care for people. That's what it's all about, caring for souls. If you love people, imagine try, try loving the, the person that doesn't love you. Go to work and the, the person that maybe even ridicules you for your faith or for your, your stance or your political belief and gets on to you or gives you problems with that, buy them lunch. Buy, buy lunch for the person that doesn't talk to you or causes you problems. That's the love of God because he extends benevolent love, tearing down the walls and saying, I love you. God loves you. See, it's such an honor to be here and to feel your love tonight. But there's so many people outside these walls that need to feel what we feel here. The love of God, there's so many people. And so as you leave this place, as you think about tonight, and whatever you remember, I pray that your heart will be challenged just a little bit to love differently, to love benevolently, to love with the love of God and allow the love, the supernatural love of God to do the miracle work in lives. Can we pray? Is that okay? I don't know what's normal for Wednesday night. I know this is different. And 
I'm just going to ask for you to pray for Ukraine, pray for Poland, pray for Poland, pray for the worship center, pray for the people you see there. But more than anything else, I ask that you would ask God is, let me be your love. Let me be your love. And then be willing to do whatever it takes to be that love. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for tonight. Thankful for this opportunity to be in this place. Thank you for the love that we feel in this place. Thank you for what you're doing in Poland, in the worship center in Krakow. Thank you for how you're multiplying, how you're growing the church, God. Thank you for the souls that you've sent our way and the souls that are being baptized and changed and filled with your spirit. Thank you for revival here in America, here in Potsdam. Thank you for revival of the, of the love of God that's changing our world with this wonderful truth. God, help me to be a conduit of your love to the world around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Brother Adams a good hand. Brother and Sister Adams. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. You can be seated. Um, I told him that uh, before we go, I was going to open it up for a few minutes. If anybody has a question or uh, a question about the Refugee Center, a question about the church, a question about uh, what they're doing. And uh, I might need another mic. Aaron, can you get a mic for me? And uh, does anybody have a question? I know Daniel's going to have one before it's over. <laughs> It's going to have something to do with food. I know that. <laughs> Anybody have a question? Nobody has a question? <laughs> Daniel always asks about the food in the other countries. That's why. You, yeah, Marshall has a question right here. Poland is a strongly traditional Catholic uh, faith. Uh, last report is about 75% of the country attend worship uh, two or three times a month. Um, they go to church on a regular basis. So, in fact, the city of Krakow has the most Catholic churches per square meter than any other city in the world. What about crime rate? I'm sorry? Crime rate. There's a very low crime rate, except uh, overall uh, in Poland. It's a very safe place. Uh, my, my wife and my kids are on public transportation a lot, and uh, no problem, no worries. What's the price of living? The price of living. So it's, like everywhere, it's increasing drastically. Overall, food costs, I think, are a little bit lower than the United States, um, whereas housing or renting of buildings, such as our church, are, are quite a bit more expensive. So it kind of equals out to, depending on where you live in the U.S., but it equals out to, to a medium cost of living. Are there still any COVID restrictions that affect y'all? Uh, absolutely not. In fact, uh, we have no mask mandates, no nothing. In fact, if you want to visit Poland, not to advertise that, but you don't even have to be vaccinated to visit Poland. Now you come without any quarantine or nothing. So. What's the main industry, like um, people's jobs, occupations? Uh, it differs depending on what part of the country you're in. In Krakow, we are uh, kind of like the Silicon Valley now of Europe. Um, it's very high in IT uh, programming, um, a lot of also outsourcing. So a lot of firms like Google, IBM, 
they will bring in their like uh, customer service. They bring them from India because uh, we have very highly educated people that work for a lot less than they do there in other places. What's the population? Uh, Poland, it's over 38 million. Um, and in Krakow, we have a little over 1 million. I've lived there 12 years. So. so uh do you have any like issues with like people that like when you're ministering to? Like do you ever have like any issues or is it like just you know all chill? Well, you have to do ministry differently. So um you really have to build a relationship with people before you can ever approach anything to do with religion. Um, they're not really receptive to um, any sort of like street evangelism or anything like that. They mainly, it's mainly you make friends, you build relationships, you spend time, and as they begin to trust you, which takes a long time with Polish people, um, then, then they open up and you're able to get involved and help them in their life. So I'm going to ask the question since no one else will. What do you eat? What do I eat? I eat well, that's obvious. Um, we have, it's, it's meat and potatoes in Poland. So a lot of potatoes in every meal, cabbage, uh, uh, pork, of course, sausage. It's not called Polish sausage, it's just called kielbasa in Poland. So it's just that, and we have the best in the world, so. Um, still on the subject of food, like you guys don't eat like bugs and all that, do you? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Just wanted to ask. Yeah, that's okay, I'm glad that. We're not a third world country, praise God. I think we're where God called me. How are you educating the refugee children? Um, so, this uh, our school system just started on September 1st, and we had 26 elementary students that we were get into the Polish educational system. And so 26 students started a brand new school uh, just last week um, with a brand new language. So right now we are bringing in volunteer tutors to work with them with their homework afterwards because it's a difficult transition for them. To fly? from but you have your long flight which is your your transatlantic flight which usually goes between eight and nine hours um, and then your connection flight wherever um, there are direct flights from Chicago to Krakow and that would take about eight or nine hours what can we do here as a people to help you in Poland well there's many things you can do depending on uh, how much God calls you to do we're always especially now needing people that are willing to come for two weeks or three weeks to just cook help with children, help with mothers. Uh, that's one way. Prayer is probably the most important thing because prayer changes things. We know that. And we feel your prayers. We have. And we know that churches are praying and backing us in praying. And, of course, giving. It, it, it really comes down to that. Now, 
with the looking to buy the hotel, that's more than ever imagined. But there are, know this, pray for that, because that will become our church, full-time Bible school, um, classrooms, everything. It, it, that We would transition that space into uh, the worship center. We'll be able to seat 200 there in the sanctuary, classroom space. We'd actually change it to Europe's first full-time Bible school, not just like a weekend Bible school, but we'd have a live-in Bible school with dorm, dorm rooms, uh, full-time teachers. That is our next phase. That's where we're going, and that takes a lot of prayer, and of course, every support that, that happens uh, makes these type of things possible. What form of government do you have, local and uh, federal or whatever they call it? Yeah, it's a parliamentary government. So the president is more of a figurehead. It's run by uh, parliament, prime ministers, and, and uh, elected officials. So it's, it is an elected, elected government. Now, it's a little different, difficult to discuss politics because uh, the, what we consider the conservative side or what we consider the right side here in the United States is actually uh, very much for government control, government oversight. It's for social conservatism as far as social issues. So, it's uh, uh, illegal abortion and, and against same-sex uh, marriage, but on the other side, they want high taxes, large government oversight. So on the left side, you have low taxes, low government oversight, but do whatever you want in, in your social world. So it's really difficult. How easy is it to work with them as far as building your church, and do they interrupt or try to keep it from happening or whatever? Well, uh, we are registered as a foundation. And that gives us a loophole in. Uh, we can do everything a church does, but we're not restricted by some of the government restrictions they put on churches. And so, like, a church can only be in certain areas or only have certain things around them. So uh, with us, we're, we, we have a lot more flexibility. That allows us to have a church right in the center of the city. Um, I've got another question. How is it, is it better for us to send money for supplies or just send supplies? It's right now, and this could change at any moment, but right now we have access to things, so it's better to send money for supplies. Um, now that could change. We're, we're hearing reports even today and, and being warned that there'll be food shortages and power shortages in the winter, so um, that thing can change depending on the, the circumstance we're living in. So, But right now it's better to we, the funding we can put to use there. All right, and one other person wanted to know, what are the gas prices like? Uh, gas prices right now are between eight and nine dollars a gallon. That's why we walk a lot, exactly. Public transportation, it's fantastic. Exchange rate is really awesome. It's the exchange rate's at a record high in the last twelve years, and so. We get 4.7 of their uh, dollars to one of ours. So it's actually been a really nice blessing during this time. No, Poland went independent from Russia a long time ago. Um, Poland is basically is independent from there and they've been telling the rest of Europe to do the same for a few years so uh, we do not have that responsibility but uh, 
the drag on the EU is, is the problem right now, so as a whole. I knew once somebody asked a question, there'd be a bunch of them. And a bunch of people were asking him to ask the questions because they were chicken. Um, just, just preaching the truth. Brother, I, I got a question. What, uh, what would, you, would you guesstimate a budget to feed a family for a week would cost? What is it? For a week? Is that right? I was just, my wife does the food, so she specialty. But we had to put together that budget, and right now, uh, for each person, we can feed them for one week for $15 in the hotel. $33 for those seven days. Oh, $33, sorry. $33 for seven days is what we've been able to get the budget to down right now for feeding people that are currently in our hotel and eating at our church. Uh, we have, yeah, we have families sometimes of, of two, um, some three, uh, and variety of ages. So we have 58 kids between the age of one week to 18 years old. Do you have that many Got 110 people, $33 a person. I'm going in two weeks. That gives you guys about 14 to a little over two weeks, about two and a half weeks. That gives you time to pray and time to think and talk with each other and, uh, and gives us an opportunity to carry them a check to help. How's that? Does that sound like a plan? Lord, I pray, God. Lord, these people have lost their homes, their lives, their livelihood, everything that they've ever been used to. But God, what they're gaining is an opportunity to hear the gospel. So I pray, God, that you help us to connect with Brother Adams and the work in Poland. Lord, to meet a felt need so we can meet a spiritual need. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, anoint this man of God and his wife and family. Give them direction. Anoint their church people. And God, I pray your blessing upon this man of God as he does your work, making help open doors for the right connections so that your dream can come true in Poland. God, we ask it to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. He might take a couple of questions from some of you that were too chicken to ask.